Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Loose Units and welcome to our special Christmas season where we are handpicking our personal favorite episodes for you the listeners. Whether you're new to the show or whether you're a Lucy from way back, should we call them Lucy's day? No, it sounds too much. Is that L O S E? L O S I E S. Not L U C Y. No. Apostrophe. That's a specific name, true, but true. anyway, uh, one of the things that our fans have been craving for a long time is good merch, really specific merch. And today's episode, when it was first aired, led to a deluge of very stupid, but I think quite interesting merchandise suggestions, i.e. the official Loose Units anal thermometer. This is a classic. Yeah. And it's, uh, it reminds me of uh, my beautiful um, suede coat and my suede shoes. Yeah, which you wore to the crime scene. I wore to the crime scene because I had no idea because we were about to knock off. It's a, it's a midweek. It's, it's getting dark. It's winter. It's, it's it's the lower north shore of Sydney, a very very salubrious suburb, mm. and you know my colleague and I we headed off in our Falcon station wagon to a location, and we got to see something that a lot of the hardened police officers that day from police rescue found very traumatizing. Mm-hmm. And Muggins here had to go in, and that's all I'm telling you. Yeah, and uh, anal thermometers featured pretty prominently, actually. I still. Have never been able to look at a thermometer the same way. No, no. And uh, if you're out there and you're um, about to whack one into your bot bot, just uh, think of us. Anyway, please enjoy anal thermometers. When I was a kid, my dad was a cop. You see, my dad was a cop in the 1980s in Sydney, which has been widely regarded as one of the most dangerous times to be a police officer in Australia. It was basically the Wild West. So I wrote a book about it. It was called Loose Units, and then we did a podcast about it. Loose Units Season 1 was an incredible experience, and we loved every minute of it. But it turns out that Dad did more than just patrol the streets. He plunged headfirst into the terrifying world of forensics. So on this season of Loose Units, that's what we're doing. We're going deep into the world of forensics and fingerprints and all of that good stuff. Well, I say good stuff, actually... Things got worse than ever. So strap in for Loose Unit Season 2, Electric Blue. Hello and welcome to another episode of Loose Units, the podcast. This is Season 2, Electric Blue. And obviously this season we're talking about forensics. And forensics, as it turns out, is pretty stressful and messy. So we hope you're doing okay. Uh, The cases this season have been really morally fraught, to say the least. I'm Paul Verhoeven, your host, and I'm here with my dad, ex-cop, John Verhoeven, how you doing? I'm 
I'm good, mate. Very good. Okay. God, I, I find this whole... This is very intense, this forensic stuff. Yeah, so full disclosure, we record these in batches. So what's happened is Dad's flown to Melbourne and we've just recorded a couple of really stressful episodes and I'm feeling shaky. Are you okay? Yeah, am I okay? Yeah. Yeah, but it's really... it's. Uh, it's full on because you can't. It's it's visceral. It's yeah. You know, I'm, it puts me right back into the the whole thing, and that's like I'm there because I have to be there to walk and talk everyone through it. Yeah, Otherwise, it you know, it's this is it's unscripted. It's it, this is from my memory, and it's yeah. it's etched into my into my psyche indelibly. The way I described telling stories with Dad, and I hope you agree with this, Dad, is that you know when you can't be, can't be able to take the bin out, so you just start pressing the garbage down mm, and down and good down. Good analogy. And it forms that kind of cube of shit. Yep, yep. And then you peel off, it becomes like the rings of a tree. Mm. So there's stuff in there that you haven't thought about for years. Yep, yep. And only when you're telling the stories, you're like me, when you're telling a story or watching a story, you are in the story. Mm, yeah, yeah. So I hope that uh, listeners are, are, are handling this mm. okay. Now, over the past few weeks of this show, we've dealt with you know a lot of the a lot of the kind of how to's of forensics we've talked photography we've talked all kinds of things but i would love to talk about one of your big early cases working in what was it search and assist or relieve and assist relieve and assist yeah. okay something fairly it sounds very it sounds pleasant but yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was it sounds like, sexual doesn't it relieve and assist yeah like that could be the name of a massage parlor sure we shall relieve and assist i was trying <laughs> Not to go there, yeah. But thank you I've for gone there. ruining that three episodes. Then, okay. Right. Um, so, uh, what would you like to talk about? Okay, today. So, I had a really, really nice suede jacket. Sure. And I kind of felt that it it looked great. What can you describe the jacket? Yeah, it was brown and suede. But like, what cut are we talking? Are we like? Oh, what, I know. What do you mean? What cut? I mean. In terms of fat, if people want to dress like you did back in forensics, if you want to use you as a oh, style icon. Okay. Well, um, I was very stylish. Well, you can say that, but until I can Google this jacket, I, this isn't doing jacket. Okay. Well, it was kind of mid, mid-length. Does that sound right? Where did it stop? Knees? Perhaps. Waist? <laughs> Knees. Give me a break. You wouldn't wear a trench? Stylish suede trench? Oh, look. Like a bomber jacket? I wasn't a gumshoe. I was a... Forensics, and to be to be fair, mm. you know, I needed to. Um, you needed to look the part. Um, what do you mean the part? I don't know, but you just needed to be, you know, pretty cool. Well, you're in plain clothes, I guess. Okay. Oh, here's a question, and this is a uh, uh, pertinent because in episode one of this season, you mentioned that plain clothes officers took a great deal of pride not wearing the uniform. Correct. Right. Yep. Yep. I mean, yep. let's let's be honest. It's kind of cool. Yep. Right? Yep. So, <laughs> was there a bit of a pissing contest with the uh, with the costumery with what you were wearing? Well, um, no, you just dressed nicely. But in forensics, we, you know, we'd we'd always dress like, you know, sort of neat, casual. Uh, didn't wear ties unless you were giving evidence in court. Sure. Um, but you just had this sort of man about town look. I think I've seen the jacket. I think there's a photo of you holding me. Wearing this jacket. Yeah, look, it was really nice. It was like it had a kind of like a suit jacket vibe to it. Correct. It was brown suede. Correct. You were wearing it with like a brown tie and a check Correct. shirt. Correct. That's it. And some like beige flares yep. or something. Yeah, flares. In the 80s. Well. I mean, that's behind the curve, Dad. True, true. Looking for a cigarette pant at that point. But I don't think I wore platform shoes. I think I got rid of those. Really? Did you, Perhaps. Is it true you had an afro at one point? I had an afro, yep. Okay. So we rock up to this scene. Now, here, I'm going to set the scene. Sure. It's a very, very affluent suburb on 
the lower North Shore. Uh, do you know where specifically? Greenwich. Greenwich? Which is a really... Do you know it? No, when you say the lower Not North Shore... Not the one Shore, in London. No, I know that. There's where no, Greenwich like, Mean Time is. No North Shore Mean Time. No. But if you're saying the North Shore, just for listeners who aren't from that area, what kind of a... What, well, what's it like there? Okay, well, look, it's... it's um, Is there such a word as salubrious? There bloody well is now. Good. So, if you can imagine Sydney... It's it's sort of the lower North Shore is you know private schools, um, leafy, yeah, very green, um, a lot of water views, and this it was in the afternoon. Mm. We were getting ready to go home. We had a call that a large portion of Greenwich had suffered a major electrical outage. Sure. So, with that in mind, the police rocked up and they found this particular house that was, I'd describe it as almost a mansion. Yeah. And they believed, because they had all these electrical people from the the electrical services, the council, and they'd pinpointed the problem to a particular house in a particular street. Okay, so Greenwich, um, as a suburb, I'm guessing pretty well off. Very, very, very affluent sure, and okay. beautiful, Huge, gentrified, yeah. big homes, mansions. And this specific house, what, what it was what, just what, magnificent. It was it? large. It was nineteen twenties, set well back. Views over the harbour, mm. commanding views, and the house was pristine. Apparently, it appeared to be immaculate. Just but, quickly, when you get a, when you say you get a call. And you're working in... Forensics. In relief and assist. Correct. Right. Yep. You're not driving patrol cars, are you? No, no. We were driving, funnily enough, that particular day, we had a Ford station wagon. I don't think they have station wagons anymore. I'm not sure. And this had a lot of gear. You know, we had to be prepared for every conceivable situation that that would get thrown at us. Like Ghostbusters? Mm, not really, no. Yeah, like a proton pack and you have that little trap thing. No, no, no. Yeah, it's, yeah. No. No, because I think it's really going to market well if no, you're dressed as a Ghostbuster. No, because we didn't have some zappy thing on our backs. Excuse me? It's called a proton pack. Yeah, Dad. whatever. So I was the driver and I was driving this uber cool guy who had fairly long hair. He was a bit of a sort of a kind of an aging hippie. Okay, cool. Uh, maybe not hippie, but yeah, he had, a, he had a bit of a bouffant happening. Right. And he was so laid back. He was great. He was so laid back that I never, ever, ever saw him get upset at any crime scene. Maybe he was a ghost. Maybe. They're not really tied to the physical world, so they can't engage emotionally. You're wearing a brown suede jacket at this point. You're driving a station wagon through Greenwich. And we rock up to this imposing house, and there were police rescue there, back in the day when police rescue actually were doing something or other. And... They had all this emergency lighting set up, and it was really interesting because they hadn't restored the power to the, the at least this street. Right, but it's it's daytime. Why do they need emergency lighting? Paul, I'm coming to that. Okay. They didn't have emergency lighting outside. The emergency lighting's inside the house. Okay. You with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, I mean, we sensed due to the extreme number of police there yeah. that we were about to encounter something pretty interesting. Now, just talk me through this. You guys pull up. Are you the only people from forensics? Correct. Yep. So, what kind of kit do you have in the back of the station wagon? We had gear from Arsehole to breakfast. Sure. But... Everything. Right. Arson. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at is if people were to look back in their like mind palace and look back in this imaginary car at all their gear 
because uh, I've said proton pack, so I'm hoping they're picturing that. So you now <laughs> need to give them an equally vivid equivalent from the real Look, world. Look, we had um, we had lots of gear. We had anal thermometers, right? Which guess what? What we get to use one in this story. Cool. Well, you don't, but I did. But I'm I, I'm jumping ahead. Yeah. So, so now that I've got everyone's attention peaked. Because anal, you say anal thermometer and people go, fuck, that is wacky. I mean, I'm thinking of calling the episode anal thermometer. Yeah, can, uh, but we'll come to that. So we uh, we got all our gear, all our little boxes, silver boxes with all sorts of things inside them. You've forgotten what they're called, haven't you? <laughs> Look, uh, it, it's a distant memory. So we go up and now the scene yeah. that we were confronted with was, to be honest with you, beyond. And it's what this is one of the great great stories. One, this is one of the, the great things that I saw in my career that is so... Now, so we, I'm going to take you on a journey. Yeah, you Sounds really, like the mighty Boosh. Really? Sl- oh, yeah. Dad's a Boosh fan. Just slow me, slow us down. So um, how many other cop cars are there? Well, no uniform police, right. no detectives, no one bar the police rescue squad. And the, the only reason that they were inside the house was to set up this incredible lighting. For you. Just for us. Like, no one can go in. So it's me and my partner, my partner and I. We go in. I'm the junior guy by far. I'm dressed in my immaculate suede coat. You didn't put like one of those... Um... Dust jackets? Yeah. No, no, because at first we just thought, look, let's just get a sense of what, what, what we're about to see. But listen, I... the police rescue guys... Yeah. What do they drive, by the way? Oh, massive white trucks. That has, and they've has, got everything on board. Right. Everything. Right, like, yeah. Do you reckon they have anal thermometers? Definitely not. Can't rescue someone with an anal thermometer. We were the only people that had those. I don't think anyone on iTunes has ever said anal thermometer this many times but on listen, the podcast. Paul. Sure. I'm going to talk about the thermometer soon. You'd better. Otherwise, this has been a very strange anal <clears throat> No, no. This story is so, so amazing. Can I paint the picture? Please do. Here... In this house yeah. was rubbish a metre high in every single room. One story or two story? Single story house. We'd come in up the side and round the back into this. It looked like an urban tip mm. that had been left unattended for a long, long time, for years. And it was visually uh, shocking. Was there a smell? It smelt. It was a combination of shit and piss. Ah, shiss. And I'll never forget I had these new shoes. They also were suede. And I donned a really suave dust jacket. Uh Uh-huh. And the senior guy, because I'm in training, he said, John, in you go. And I remember walking through this rancid, moist, stinking, shitty environment. What's the floor like at this point? You couldn't see the floor. Right, so you're kind of stepping through. It's like the garbage compactor. No, it was so bad. And I was aware, as I was trying to be as professional as possible, but I was acutely aware that my brand new suede shoes were being... Ruined. Love it. Every step I took, they were being permeated with all sorts of body juices. Yeah, remember that uh, Elvis song, Poo Suede Shoes? And um, (laughs) anyway, what I I began to realise is that 
Well, the most terrible thing about this, well, there are many, many facets to this story that are quite frankly horrendous. Mm. But I remember looking over and I saw what appeared to be a woman in a dress cut into with massive head injuries. And she was lying in this squalor. Now, I'm just going to sort of jump forward a little bit and let you and the listeners know that this particular woman yeah. had been a top matron in a psychiatric hospital. She'd had a nervous breakdown. It's important that we, we, we talk about this now. Sure. You don't, I, wanna, you don't want to, like, give it as a reveal at no, the end? Okay. No, I want you to all know that she'd lived in this house. She'd had a nervous breakdown. You ready for this? Yeah. She lived in the kitchen for 30 years. She never left the house. So she retired, and she would have been in her late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. She was a raging alcoholic. Every single cupboard, drawer, shelf, room, cabinet, everywhere was just littered, but neatly stacked with bottles of alcohol right. that had been consumed. So what happened was she she didn't have any money worries, so she pre-ordered and everything was home delivered. So all her food was home delivered, all the alcohol, and she lived, but she had she maintained her, her gardens, her lawns were all immaculately manicured. How weird. But she lived in this terrible, terrible isolation estate and no one ever got to see her because she would never open the door. People would sort of basically feed stuff through the back door. Yeah. And, uh, and she lived like this. And then one fateful day, she... There was so much urine and, 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 and liquid in all the in, in, in the refuse that what had happened was she'd fallen slightly and it looked as though someone had come in and bashed her skull in. Hence all because I could see all this this lumpy stuff on her skull and it looked like brain matter. Right. And she was basically cut in two, which was fascinating. So we assumed that something terrible had happened. What do you mean cut in two? Well, I'll I'll come to that. Okay. What happened was she had this um frayed electrical cord and imagine this somehow or other the cord wrapped around her torso and the plug in the wall had sort of pulled out slightly and some water and something wet like a newspaper had actually formed across the two points at the top of the plug and had electrified the entire the whole place became alive so as she fell the cord was tightening on her torso but didn't blow just didn't the, the fuses didn't blow yeah. and it was as she as the tension and the heat and and the wires would have become red hot they were sort of cauterizing and cuttering and oh. cutting and, and they eventually almost cut her in half oh. but then there was still the matter of the brain matter and where had this brain what 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 had caused this blunt force trauma and um my colleague who would not go in the room might i add because Muggins here in his beautiful coat and his new shoes was trudging through this to get to her. And you and the listeners will recall I made reference to my thermometer. Yeah. I had to roll her over. I had to pull her pants down and I had to shove a thermometer into her rectum. Do you know why I had to do that? Not because I wanted to. Oh, fuck. This is fucked up, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Guess why? Why? Because... That's the part of the body that is the last to cool down. So it remains warm. Oh, the core temperature is kind of... Correct. Right. So by me inserting a thermometer into her her bottom... You could tell roughly when she died? Correct. Okay. And it was still... I had to then sort of examine it and... So... It's pretty crook. 
It's pretty intense. Yeah, it's intense. Um, and very sad, but listen. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. How, how long ago had she died? Uh, she, within hours. Right. She still had some, some core temperature. But hear, hear me out. Yeah. What about? The brain. The brain. So I... I went back to my little box and I pulled out some special blood sticks that that can, you know, if there's blood, it'll 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 register. So I went back into the back over to her, yeah, and I got my little blood stick out, and I waved it across and sort of touched what appeared to be her brain, sort of stuck all over her head, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't brain matter. It was sweet and sour pork. So as she fell. A Chinese um, container of sweet and sour pork had managed to sort of... She'd taken that down as she fell and it had managed to open up this container and landed on her head. So the sweet and sour pork uh, that to me looked like her brain was actually sweet and sour sweet pork. And sour pork okay. Yeah. And then I began to... Because I actually... I, I reached down and grabbed a bit of it and smelt it and I realised that it was in fact sweet and sour pork, and and you know, yeah. So I guess I have one question for you. I have many questions, but one right now. For years after that, I know for a fact in the nineties you would take us to the same Chinese restaurant over and over, and sweet and sour pork was a regular fixture of your ordering. Yes, I became obsessed with sweet and sour pork. Do you think this case might be part of why? Possibly. What does it say about you as a person? That I'm seriously demented. Cool. Love it. So, Paul, there's a poignant side to this story, aside from everything I've told you. Mm. You know that I went on to become an antique dealer Mm. and we had two antique shops. And there are a couple of things from this story that I recall from the house. And one of the most amazing things, one of the most incredible pieces of furniture that I have ever seen in my life, and I've been to all the great museums around the world, she had this extraordinary cabinet in one of the rooms and it had a like a, a big winder. And I'll never forget this. I wound this lever and this incredible Art Deco cabinet that was in the shape of a rose 
opened up to reveal with this incredible intricate and complex mechanism mm. to reveal the most incredible 1920s cocktail cabinet and that was just amazing and then the other thing that i found quite distressing yeah. i went into her bathroom and i realized that that was the only room in this entire house that she'd never ever ever used and i saw something that to this day i found extraordinary and it i really i'll try and describe what i saw mm. her bath that had never been used was full of silt because it had been dripping for 30 years how amazing is that when the bathtub was full of the most the finest silt what's silt you know it's a sediment that's in the water right that you'd never normally see because this dripping for years and years and years 30 years to be precise yeah had created this amazing um slurry of, of this f- super fine mud in the bathtub, and it was just to, to look at it. It was just quite surreal. So how does someone have beautiful, beautiful furniture and then surround it with refuse? Like, I know, I'm not, I know you're not a psychologist, but, like, what, what do you think? A total nervous breakdown. She never used the toilet. Right. Her toilet became her basically her kitchen, and she lived and existed, and she became emaciated and... And introverted and, and, and had a colossal, but she'd had a very, you know, I, I made some inquiries and, you know, got to read some of the transcripts and the brief of evidence later on for the coroner. And, and she'd, she'd been the, the matron of a, a leading uh, psychiatric institution in Sydney. Do you think uh, the job got to her? I don't know, but something devastating had happened to her. And she became a recluse, the same as Howard Hughes. Yeah. And that's an incredible story where his toenails grew out and then underneath and into buried into his the bottom of his feet. Yeah, it was a bad that's situation. That's pretty bad. Um, I remember seeing Howard Hughes' face on Time magazine, uh, the face, like his face after they'd hauled him out of the room. It was really disturbing. Yes. There's something really... So listeners will may or may not know this. Uh, Loose Units fans may know this, but Dad is basically practicing like Zen. Like Dad is a minimalist. So Dad actually tries to have less possessions do you think that's got anything to do with the fact that you encountered like a like a platinum grade hoarder without a doubt i only own three books and they're all funnily enough on minimalism yeah and i mean a real minimalist would only have one right correct or 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 commit commit that final one to memory yeah fahrenheit 451 style correct Mm. But having dealt with people's things over the years, I think, look, the listeners probably know that I went from the New South Wales Police Force, I went into the Work Cover Authority, where I investigated industrial accidents for a few years. I think, if, I think many people don't know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and then I joined the New South Wales Fire Brigades and I became a firefighter uh, and I did that for 10 years. And then, so that's, uh, that's a good 20 years of my life being involved with some pretty, you know, pretty shitty things. Yeah. Um, I think you'll find that nurses, doctors, definitely emergency service personnel, i.e. ambos, paramedics, fireys and police, you know, I think generally speaking, perhaps not as time evolves, but most people that join those jobs in the beginning, I, I, I genuinely believe they're a certain type of person and who actually really likes to help people and get in there and, you know, look after, um, uh, you know, um, sort of people. Yeah. And I think it's very... Uh, and it's very satisfying. Um, as an aside to this story, Paul, a, a, a tiny little story that you don't know, you know that I deal in antiques. Yes. And um, 
you know, what happened was a few months ago I purchased a painting and the painting turned out to be stolen. And two nights ago I had to go to Waverley Police Station and give a pretty full-on statement about how I'd come by this painting. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, stepping back into Waverley Police Station on a busy night was exciting. Yeah. And the senior police officer that I uh, spent an hour with an amazing amazing senior constable and he was really really great and we had an open and frank discussion about policing today Mm. and I was telling him stories uh, from the time when I was in the police force and I told him about loose units and in front of me he uh, got onto Spotify and downloaded (laughs) loose units and um, you know the thrill the buzz of the police station was it was palpable yeah and um, it was like being back in a police station for me, many, many years ago. However, policing has changed mm. dramatically. And and it's a, it's, it's a tough gig. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, it's hard, Yakko, and it's stressful. So if you're doing shift work and you're involved in a stressful job and you never, ever, ever get on top of things because it's just one thing after another. He, he was so snowed under this guy. I felt mm. really, really sorry for him. But, you know, the, you know policing is it's a universal uh you know, policing in Australia is the same as policing in Australia as it is in Iceland, as it is in India. It's all policing is it's, and it's right there at the coal face, and it's 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 hard, but it's it's satisfying. Um, it's stimulating. You've got no idea what's going to happen. You go to work that day. What's going to happen? You you just don't know. But this woman was working at the coalface, as you said, dealing with damaged people. Yeah. In many cases, people where... Because one of the things about police is it's it's reactive a lot of the time. Correct. Like you can try and do community outreach, but basically you're responding to a thing that has happened. Yep. Now, so, someone working in a mental hospital is uh, quite often doing something very similar in that the person is damaged mentally and they are hurting and you are responding to a crisis. You know what I mean? You're not, you don't get uh, people who aren't um, having issues into a mental hospital. No. To, to provide a, like a buffer against that. You are responding to a problem, right? Mm. Do you think stopping the job robbed her of that focus? And do you think that, do you think that not working in emergency services anymore has had an effect on you? Or do you think you've been able to partition your brain and just put that aside? Well, definitely partition my brain. But look, I do. I, one of the things, the good things about these podcasts is being able to relive and share the, the stories because I really believe that these stories are worthy of sharing. Mm. And uh, when I was preparing my notes uh, in bullet form or bullet points for this whole next season, yeah. which is the same as what I did for the first season, um, you know, like I've, I'm looking down at my notes and I've only, you know, I've only got three or four words for each topic. Yeah. That's enough. That's all I need. Yeah. But, you know, these stories are really, really, I, I think they're great stories. They're stories that are interesting. Um, they're a part of the uh, the fabric of Sydney's policing in the, uh, in the 80s. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's, you know, I think, I think it's, um, it's great to share them. And I think people are genuinely interested in these stories uh, because they're, they're real. Do you think how many people in emergency services do you think have stories? I mean, this woman who you know died alone, almost seven and a half. Clearly, she she saw some stuff. Mm, yeah. Do you think? Do you think it's helped you avoid spiraling into bad places 
by talking about what you went through? Mm. Do you think it's you think it's the healthy and right thing to do? I think so. I think it's really important to talk. But you know, there are different types of people in this world. My brother Mark, for yeah. example, who also did, um, you know, emergency services. Yes. But we're different people. Yeah. You know, um, you know, my mother says to me, "Oh, John, you know, you're you're always you've always been such a happy, cheerful guy." Now that's that's my nature. Mm. I'm blessed to be a very positive person. But I'll tell you what, if you work in emergency services, as do lots of people that perhaps have a tendency to suffer from perhaps depression or anxiety or and there's no doubt about it, these these jobs can bring on some pretty bad shit. Yeah. Um it's not look, I guess from what I can gather and from what I've heard, the only thing worse than emergency services is going to war and seeing some bad shit. Yeah. Like that really is, you know, like these Anzacs, they get together once a year and they, you know, they relive these these stories and it's, you know. But uh, I guess for me to relive, this is just to sit with you and and the, and the listeners and, and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a really enjoyable episode, but every episode of Loose Units, the podcast, we answer a question from a listener. Uh, well, you know, Dad does. I kind of sit there agog. But Dad, I thought... Oh, God, this is a great question. This is from Karina Tasker. Has it ruined TV shows and movies for you? I know that ever since I studied forensic science, I can't watch anything the same anymore. So has has working in this field made watching your job on screen uh, less enjoyable or um, less plausible for you? It's a great question, and the answer is definitely yes, in that um, I'm not a super sleuth, but I do find that a lot of things we see but I perhaps this is the case for a lot of people in that as time goes by I find you know there's only a certain font of stories in the well and um, I just think that quite often I find that I know I'll never ever ever forget being at Kill Bill in that great scene where there's the car crash yeah and they go over to that shop and who's in the shop in Kill Bill the gimp what was that Kill Bill no oh shit sorry Shit, sorry. Don't cut this. Just let me run. But also, Pulp the- Fiction. You know how they have the car crash and yeah. they go to the shop and there's the gimp and there's the guy with the the sword and yeah, all that. Yeah. I I actually started laughing in the cinema. Why? Before because I knew what was going to happen. Wait, what do you? How bad's that? At what point did you know? As they walked towards the shop, I knew that something demonic and fucked up was going to happen. Okay. I laughed out loud. Why did you? Why, why was laughter the response you gave? Because I knew what was going to happen. Now, how, how insane is that? Right. That's how my brain, that's the level that, you know, I think if you've been involved in some really dark stuff, yeah. there, you know, you, you, there's only so many things, that, like, you know the old saying about, it's all been done before. Sure. And it has. Well, Everything's been done before. Well, not all of it. Well, a lot of it. I mean, okay, except for my stories, maybe. They're unique. <laughs> but I mean, I think, I, I mean, I've watched you enjoy... Uh, detective characters on. Screen. Oh, look! I love I love the obscure. I love the singing detective. Yeah. I love I love the Nordic noir films. I think they're just you're a big Stranger Things fan as well. And I love Stranger Things. Yeah. And I love uh, Fargo. How would you, you know, rate How would you rate um, Jim Hopper, um, uh, the head of Hawkins Police? Out of ten. Well, how would you rate him in terms of enjoyable watching? I I actually love him. I think he's amazing. He's he's cuddly and great. But what do you like? So. I mean, obviously, I, okay. I find that the most... I worked with police like that. Did you? 
Bloody oath I did. So did you find the people that were slightly flawed but uh, trying their best more enjoyable? But he's a very good policeman. He is a good cop. But you talk about, um, you know, people who come back from, uh, you know, traumatic events. He and you talk about the war. So Jim Hopper in the story, in the series, is a Vietnam vet who came back and became a cop. Yep. And I think, how many people do you think come back from one traumatic profession and bound into another like yourself? Oh, look, without a doubt. Paul, I feel as oh, I've got a great yarn just a quick one but sure. it's to do with um, I'm not going to talk about because it it's really to do with our family Paul yeah. but I've got to be careful what I say here but through one of our someone in our family uh, that that had close association with someone that had been in a war situation that particular person to get their jollies comes back and works emergency ENR in London on night shifts really? yeah when- so my point being that Sometimes people get a fix. Like adrenaline is very powerful. It's a very powerful drug. You know, if if you could bottle it and pump it into you, you'd be you'd be sort of whacked out. Yeah. So people people are always chasing. You know that when I from a very early age, I used to chase adrenaline. Mm. I did skydiving. I did free diving. When I was three, uh, I got my pop gun and my little Wellingtons as a three year old and went out to shoot a king brown snake on a sheep station. So I from a very very early age, I had this this continual desire to chase the fix. You know, barefoot water skiing, emergency services. It, you know, it's in, and, and now I get my jollies, my thrills yeah. out of wheeling and dealing in antiques. Really? And it's, and it's thrilling. Is it? Fucking oath it is. Well, how? I love it because I buy something and it could be worth a squillion. General, generally, it isn't. Sure, but it's the chase. It's the, it's the fun. It's the thrill. It's that's the the excitement. You know, we all derive pleasure. Yeah. In different ways, and you know, I mean, people that are, you know, older than other people, that they, they don't necessarily just turn off their fun valve. You know, they're still, you know, you're still seeing things through the same eyes. You know, people don't sort of lose their no, of course, their, well, their I mean, mojo. So let to me, speak. Let me close on this on this note. When you went to that police station the other night mm. and you were there and it was busy and it was pumping, you yep. talked to that cop. Yep. Did you feel that itch? I I couldn't get over the incredible amount of gear each policeman wears, police person. It's but incredible. Like, like the gear, the the bulletproof vest, yeah. the taser, the the low slung holster, the 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 uh the speed loaders. You know what that is? Yeah. Like extra ammo, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it's incredible. I mean, one hopes they're incredibly fit because just to carry all that extra stuff, like they they walk out to their police cars now with 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 bags of stuff, like just it's it's it's, it's incredible. And look, yeah, it was exciting. But would you do it again? Would I join the police force again? Yeah. Now or back then? Now. You know, there was a famous newsreader in Sydney and her dad joined the New South Wales Police Force in his 50s. Mm. Would I do it now? Definitely not. What if you could pick your location? No, never. Really? No, it's a part of my life and I ain't going back. Because you know what? When I was a policeman, it was fun and exciting. And yeah, it was like frontier. Like it was, we kind of made the rules up as we went along. We had rough guidelines, but... It was really exciting. When I told this senior constable two nights ago at Waverley about some of the things we got up to, he 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 his jaw dropped. He couldn't believe it. He said, those days are long gone, for better or worse. Well, thankfully, people can relive them by listening to Loose Units, the podcast. Mm. So uh, join us next week for another episode. And also, 
One month to go until our huge Father's Day live episode of Loose Units at the Toff in town in Melbourne. Tickets are selling very, very fast, so make sure you grab them ASAP. I am deadly serious. You do not want to miss out on this. It'll be Dad and me on stage. We'll be signing and selling copies of the book. It's going to be huge. Plus, we will be uh, giving away limited edition Loose Units temporary tattoos. It's a long story. So head to thetoffintown.com slash gigs or... Head to the Loose Units Facebook page and a special shout out to everyone over in the Loose Units discussion group. We love your work. Loose Units is proudly presented by Pillow Talk Productions. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.